Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast. Your hosts are Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media, and the beautiful and wonderful Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshark. Why are we called SEO SAS, I hear you ask? Well, we are called SEO SAS because we are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Me and Hannah love talking about SEO. We love reading, we love debating, we love keeping up to date with what's going on. So we thought what better way to keep you informed than putting it on a podcast. So yes, we do hope you enjoy the show. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like my media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Ah, Thanks, Hannah. You will notice that during this podcast there is a missing voice and obviously Hannah I think we addressed it on the last podcast but Hannah sadly can't join us however do not fear my friends because I'm not going to leave you with me and you won't have to put up ramblings from Sarah Sarah's thoughts of the day Sarah's like meaning of life sort of thing do not worry do not fret because I have a wonderful guest joining me on the podcast today and that wonderful guest is Thierry Allen who is the data and insights manager at Rise at Seven hello Thierry Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I am very, very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all, not too bad. Um, I was just braving the snow today, but uh, apart from that, I'm uh, I'm healthy and ready to go. <laughs> are you uh, out there making snow angels and uh, snowmen on your breaks? Do you know what? Controversially, I'm not a big fan of snow, you know. Oh, I know, honestly, yeah, I said it. I've, I've come out with it now. I'm, I can only apologise. You started off controversy and uproar. Honestly, you can hear everyone now just pausing the podcast and leaving. Well, um, <laughs> I'm going to say, if our listenership now drops, I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, you know what? I can only apologise. I'm just, I'm just more of a sun baby, you know? Okay. I'm more of a kind of beach and water vibes. I never really liked the snow. It just hurt. Do you ever get that feeling? Do you know when you used to make... Um, snowmen and snowballs as a kid and your hands used to get really cold and then you try and warm them up and then you get that achy feeling in your fingers yes i uh, yes yes like yes that. or like that no nope, oh. not for me well to be <laughs> fair at least you've got a valid reason and and yeah i mean my other half she hates being cold and she reckons it's to do with the fact that she was born during a heat wave so that's what she was just but like used to so so yeah she's she's awful in the cold like literally she'll be there with like three jumpers five pairs of socks she's got like this water bottle that you attach to yourself I mean, she looks ridiculous. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Cozy, okay. I know where I'd rather be. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but the older I get, it's less about how I look and more the sort of practicality of what I'm wearing and stuff. Hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. We came up with a quite cool title for this episode: SEO and PR data that people give a shit about. 
Um, so you're here today to sort of talk to us about data and insights and how like valuable it is and, and things that we can do with it sort of thing. Before we get into that, let's, let's get to know you, Thierry. Let's get to know you as a person. So would you give our audience a brief overview of yourself and how you got into the industry? Yeah, so, um, God, my path has been one that's um, not linear whatsoever, all structured in any way, sense or form. So, funnily enough, my undergrad and my kind of background is actually in biological sciences, focusing on kind of immunology and genetics. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. And so then um, I then went on to do my master's in marketing. I think the fundamental aspects of this is that I'm kind of a bit of an, an obsessive about human behavior. I love understanding why people do things and what, what compo- kind of compels us to think and feel in certain manners. And um, that kind of understanding is what I'm always kind of chasing. So naturally, I went to then work in market research and then became a research analyst for various companies and agencies. And then um, and then here I am at Rise of Seven. Yeah. But as I said, like the underlining thread, I think, with other thing is has always been kind of people. Mm. Um, and my kind of love of people being around people. I'm very much a people person. And then I just kind of marry that with the, the problem solving element that I've kind of picked up from the kind of biochemistry style of things um, and kind of marry that up into, a, into something I kind of love doing where I'm surrounded by people and I get to kind of use my kind of analytical brain um, mm. to benefit. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, I love sort of talking to people about how they got into the industry and how they got into SEO because everyone I sort of talk to, they don't sort of plan it or it just (laughs) kind of happened. (laughs) I love hearing how people have got into it. And yeah, it's just fascinating find like hearing people's stories. Um, So give us a random fact about yourself that most people don't know. (laughs) Oh, what a loaded question. I love <laughs> this. It's like, do I give too much or too little? <laughs> it's up to um, you. Yeah, no, I, I, do you know what? I've got a really cool one. So interestingly, I know you introduced myself as Thierry Allen. And uh, I say... In the Alan best French accent. Yeah, I know. Because when, whenever I say it as well, whenever it's written down, it sounds so very British. It's like Thierry, exotic name. Alan, really? <laughs> so I give it a little French twang every now and again. But um, so my surname is actually Gutegure. Beautiful. Which is, yeah, probably easier said drunk than sober. But um, that is actually a unique name combination. So I don't share a surname with anyone in my immediate family. We all have our own surnames. Oh. That's a pretty cool fact, right? I mean, I mean, I've got so many questions, but I just, I don't think we've got enough time on the podcast. I mean, could you give us like a quick sort of reasoning? Like, why is that? Yeah, so um, it was kind of a choice of a mixture of tradition. Um, So I was born in Rwanda and um, I came over when I was about four or so years old. Um, So it's a mixture of tradition as well as a choice by my parents. So my parents as well kind of thought, you know what? instead of picking a family name that kind of encompasses all, what if your surname encapsulates who you are or what happened during the period in which that you're born, right? Yes. Um, so then what it gives me is a kind of a unique name as well as personality immediately. So my name kind of loosely translates to kind of always ready or prepared to be ready. 
Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so then during the time that I was born, it was during the time kind of preparation where we were firstly from a agricultural perspective in June. That's kind of a time of preparation um, in terms of getting ready for whether it's winter or harvesting or whatever that may be. And as well, there's a bit of um, when I was born, there's a bit of a political instability. And that was a kind of being like, right, always ready, always prepared, that kind of individual, which is weird. It carried through the rest of my life. I am I do believe I'm kind of um, an over preparer at times. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was almost like my name just went, right, this is what you're going to be for the rest of your life. Now go. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, because yeah. that is the first time I've heard of someone having their own or not sharing this, the same last name as like family members. And I'm going to be having words with my parents and I'll be, <laughs> be like, why did yeah. you not do the same for me? <laughs> honestly but do you know what it is it's not it's funny because society is not really set up for that because it shocks people so like when we used to go on holiday as families we'd have my dad would have to have like birth certificates and such to like prove that we were his kids oh okay Uh, yeah society wasn't really ready for um our individual sassiness but um yeah it's it's worked out and it's and it's super interesting as well because now going forward i get the opportunity to say well do I start my own family name or do I carry on my surname? So yeah, it gives me a whole a whole lot of choice. I, I mean, that uh, that sounds tricky to sort yeah. of, yeah. So keep us updated. <laughs> keep us updated on that one. So, so the next question is going to be, so, or the questions, should I say, is based around your role at Rise at Seven. So first things first, can I ask, do you actually rise at seven? Is it part of the contract that to work at Rise at Seven, you have to rise at seven? <laughs> I love this. Do you know what? If it, if we actually did rise at seven, I'd still I'd get a lay in. I, you know, that's that's. Oh my god, you're not one of these people that get up at five o'clock in the morning, are you? Oh, I, I, annoyingly, annoyingly, Sarah, I do have to admit, I am. Um, so on a daily basis, I'm up for about four forty-five a.m. We could have been friends. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is it. I, I, do you know what? I should have got it in my contract. I should have got it in my contract. Do you know what? I'm just, I'm going to rise at seven, regardless of when uh, my working hours are. Uh, I've seen the branding and I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super, I'm up super early and then I'm, um, I'm home for about half nine from work. Does that mean, oh, I was going to say, like, if you're up that early, surely you need to be getting into bed and asleep by like nine, 10 o'clock. Well, no. <laughs> so I'm because I commute actually. So I live in Bradford, whoop whoop, <laughs> and then obviously uh, um, uh, rises over in Sheffield. So I commute down um, and back, and a mixture of gym and other daily activities means that actually I probably don't get to sleep till about half twelve, and then we're up and going again at four forty-five. But I feel for your sleep. The truth, I love it. I absolutely love it. What I mean, this is always a bit of a hard question because I sort of understand that every day is different, especially in marketing. But could you sort of give us like a general feel of like your day to day activities as a data and insights manager? Yeah, so you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I think it's one of those things where to be honest since the start of my career um over at rise as well no day has kind of been um the same but my mornings are kind of it's split kind of for me from a morning to an afternoon what kind of work capacity so in the mornings i spend on the kind of insight and decision mode so this is 
shedding light on any kind of data that I've already collected from clients or supporting clients to understand. So what is going on in their world and how can I cut through the noise or even cut them a slice of cake? So this is a conversation that's occurring in and around your brand, whether that be from um, any activity that's gone on from an update, for example, that um, am I benefiting from this or what does this actually mean or um, anything that's going on from a social perspective. So a lot of people are talking about X, Y, and Z and this is trending. Should I get involved? And I have this amount of, I've, I've, I've got this customer data. Should I act on it? Or if I am going to act on it, what does acting actually look like? And what is the output of that? So a lot of that is very much kind of in around understanding what is going on in the world and how can I make sure that my clients kind of benefit the most from it. Yes. Yeah. And then my afternoons are kind of in research mode. So this is collecting data and creating kind of data led news stories. Um, so this is predominantly kind of supporting the PR aspect of stuff. So there's once again, there's a conversation occurring. Uh, someone's collected some data and created this incredible tool. Is that something that we can do? Is that something that we can build? Where did this data come from? Does our client own a, a kind of a data set that we can take advantage of from a PR perspective? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that kind of like data led news generation in the afternoon. Um, just because a lot of, from a PR perspective, a lot of the outreach kind of happens in the morning. So then it would make sense for me to kind of not kind of, um, uh, disturb those guys whilst they're absolutely smashing those links and coverage and things hmm. and instead kind of support them in the afternoon when there's either like brainstorms or we're kind of gathering together and putting our heads together to cook up a storm ah so it def- definitely sounds like a very interesting and varied day-to-day really so obviously data is your things so what data most excites you and why do you know what it is it's my client's data I think it's honestly probably the most underrated data source, right? Okay. And so what I mean by this is they have data on when when your audience kind of or customer base comes to you, you therefore have possibly the greatest understanding of this is who your audience is, um, this is where they've come from, what they search once they're on your site or what they read and how they navigate, the products they buy, if that if that's the kind of sector in which you work in. And more kind of then broadly using that extract from a PR perspective, like look at the likes of um, Spotify, for example, their kind of mm. annual wrap up. They honestly have such a wealth of information, a wealth of data, and they use it so perfectly to kind of leverage from a PR perspective, as well as kind of an SEO perspective and kind of user user friendliness, as I can call it, in terms of kind of telling that, oh, would you look at that? This, mm. is, this is what I've been listening to. I'm glad you're collecting this data and it doesn't strike fear into them like, oh my God, you're collecting this data. It's absolutely perfect. Another example as well is like Vivid Seats. I'm not sure if you've heard of those guys. They're kind of a, a concert ticket seller and they produce, they kind of take their own internal data and use that from a, to, from a PR perspective to go, hey, look at what Beyonce's audience looks like and um, the likes of Azuna. So they're a job-based aggregator and they do it perfectly as well where they've gone well if we are aggregating 99 percent of all job ads out there in the uk then we can kind of have a comment on what the job market looks like or of those people who have studied a similar degree to yourself this is the job that they're in right now and it's super super interesting and i think yeah it's it's probably the most underrated data source at the moment okay and i suppose there's a lot i mean you've just got me thinking that there's a lot of data that you sort of don't sort of realize that you've got and what you can do with it. So I suppose then, generally talking about data, there is so much data available to companies. So what data should should you be focusing on? And also, I hear so many times people saying, oh, make decisions from data. And that's all well and good, but 
what how so so two questions here then so what data should companies be sort of like looking into and focusing on and what decisions or what can you do with it and if you could give us some examples yeah so with regards to what what should they kind of be bothered about um so i think from a site perspective i think it's how people get to your site then once they're on site, so if, if this is a kind of, um, what, what kind, well, where it's an SEO podcast, so I hope they're coming to site. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what they then read and search once they're on site, and then what, how do they then interact with your given products? So a lot of this is, I'm not asking, I'm not telling to kind of go and, oh, go out there and research and do a segmentation piece on this particular audience. Absolutely not. This is kind of something that's available from kind of small, small and medium enterprises all the way to kind of the bigger corporations. We have access to all of this data as to how people are interacting on our site. And that kind of gives you all kinds of leverage. Like if I know how people are interacting my site, I know what type of content um, I can produce, for, um, I can kind of uh, serve up to them. If I know what they're searching on my site as well, I can even hazard a guest as to the types of products they'd be interested in. So there's a lot of information there that kind of can be leveraged once we understand the human behavior aspect of why are they doing this and what is the intent behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, and then... Um, a cool one as well is uh, social sentiment. I really love that. Um, I think it's something that we don't maybe talk about that much, really. So it's about understanding the conversation is occurring around my brand. So now more than ever, I think that businesses are kind of made and broken by social social media nowadays. Like, look at the way Greg's is absolutely smashing it. It just goes to show. And these guys sell pasties. You know, <laughs> they sell pasties on a corner shop. How mad is that? And it's incredible. But look at the kind of brand and social standing that they have in comparison to some of the bigger corporations who don't say anything or don't leverage those conversations. But yeah, so I think in terms of what they should be bothered about is those types of things. So the intent behind the behavior on on site and also what your audience is actually talking about, like maybe kind of start caring about that and then it'll kind of naturally come out as to what your tone of voice should be and what you Mm. should be saying as a brand. And yeah who you are and identity yeah definitely so obviously touched on content and finding out what people are doing once they're on your site and stuff so data can help so if we're talking about seo data can help with uh, the content that you should be writing and i suppose it could help sort of map out user journey on a website sort of thing but is there anything else that data can help out in an seo sort of way yeah so um let's maybe think about it from like um, a specific uh sector perspective so let's think about it from like a fast fashion perspective let's take that yeah i am so fashionable so you know i mean if you could see me now i don't think you'd say the same about me (laughs) but um, i'm I'm glad one of us is is a fashionista in this conversation (laughs) glad to be of help yeah. And so like from a fast fashion perspective, in terms of like making decisions from your data, as it were, it's about turning those kind of sessions and impressions and brand trackers and social sentiments and links into kind of, as I said before, like behavior you understand. So cutting all kind of cutting out the shit, if I'm <laughs> honest, and kind of boiling it down. So once you have this, you can predict um, everything from like product lines and collaborations and um so for example a piece of work that i did quite recently with a fast fashion brand is understanding exactly that so who should we collaborate with based on what people are doing on my website and also what people are talking about on social about us so okay okay 
Brilliant. So I understand your audience, firstly, because I know um, their age demographics as to who's coming to site and what they're purchasing. Yeah. I also then understand previous collaborations and how they have done from a sales perspective. Yeah. And I can then marry that up then with anything from press coverage or social noise as to what that audience demographic is talking about on social. So now I then marry that up with anything that they're searching of like a, maybe like a an influencer or a celebrity on your site. So Kim Kardashian. So are people coming to your site then and going Kim K collection? Or is there a hint as to what type of person they're looking or expecting you to be working with already? Hmm. And so from that, then, if we then marry that up, I go, brilliant. So 18 to 20 year old, 24 year old females are coming to your site. They're currently talking about a big conversation at the moment is around Kim Kardashian and she's doing X, Y, and Z with other things on social. And when they come to your site, we've seen a a year on year increase of searches regards her name. So then that would give us a good indication as to, okay, maybe this is something that we need to then think about and a conversation we need to have from a product perspective, for example. And even understanding those types of opportunities uh, without ever having to actually spend money on a segmentation piece or going out and doing some market research, it's all to hand and kind of sat in your inbox already and sat in in, Mm. in your GA, the trackers and this whole kind of setup. Yeah, so I suppose it's knowing what, what tools and sort of knowing what to search for and yeah what you've already got because like you said you might decide that you want to do like a survey to find out these insights and stuff but you might already have that on your site just by looking at behavior and search terms and and stuff like that and it's fairly easy I mean I did it um for us so I sort of set up so if you've got like a search bar it's really easy to set up in Google Analytics so it um sort of tracks that yeah exactly so exactly so and even from like um um so a super cool decision I um I kind of implemented as well was understanding um how to better serve kind of location-based bookings for example right yes so naturally once you land on a booking page so whatever it may be that you're booking an experience or entertainment whatever that may be it may be searched by highest lowest price or most relevant or most popular yeah 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 um but what if i already understand where my audience is so i know understand so they kind of i already understand that you are from leeds yeah and then i can then marry up with regards to of my previous customer base who we who are from Leeds from their booking data so then I married up I think it was about two years worth of booking data to then look at on average people in Leeds will travel 47 miles to to this and to kind of to this booking or to this entertainment place or concert venue wherever that may be so if I understand how far a, a kind of a small demographic in your city are willing to travel I can then hazard a guess that this is something that you'd also be interested in with regards to that ah. type of travel and then best serve those location-based bookings. That's really smart. <laughs> yeah, so super personalized. And it's yeah. just and I and I haven't paid for anything. It's literally just sat in my sat in my inbox and kind of ready to marry up and take advantage of. Definitely. Okay. So we we're talking about data decision making and what it can do. Is there anything that it sort of can prevent or avoid? And also, I'm guessing this is going to be hard for you because of your job title and data is what you do. But is there any time where gut feeling can come into play? So obviously with data, you sort of like 
you're not having to use gut feeling or feelings or oh I wonder but I didn't know whether sometimes you can marry up the two or it is okay to use gut feeling yeah so I think it's important kind of to use data for decision making and um, in the sense of it helps remove assumptions I believe Um, I think sometimes we spend our life looking from kind of one perspective and I think that um, and we think that the world looks through the same lens too. Um, and I think what kind of data decision-making helps us do is look a little further and a little wider and consider maybe notions that we'd maybe never considered or even seen before. I think it's a great way of exploring exploring things and it's it's measurable. There's no real ambiguity usually around it. It is either 0.1 or 0.2 or yes or no type things in terms of the qualitative aspect of it. And then, yeah, we can then delve into the kind of qualitative aspect of stuff of yes you have done this thing on site but why so then they can kind of delve into that but yeah i do yeah i think you hit the nail on the head that there is sometimes where you kind of do have to go with the gut feeling and i think it happens more now more than ever um and it's that the data may not always tell the full story um so I, I i'm a true believer in terms of like data is only as good as the collector itself and so it's up to me to kind of understand the needs of the business the needs of my team our audience and kind of encompass, encompassing all of that before kind of suggesting anything. Hmm. Um, I think it's quite similar to the, to the way like journalists have to consider, yes, this story, yes, this is a story, but is it right to publish this, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think like data kind of comes with a, with a duty of care hmm. um, when, it, when it comes to that stuff. And that's where your gut comes into it, I think. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's all right to use that gut. So then last I think on our last episode, we introduced a new feature where basically Hannah rants about something. <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite therapeutic for Hannah <laughs> because like, she gets something off her chest. But no, more importantly, it's about addressing something in the industry or something that's happening. So have you got any rants about data? Yeah. Do you know, do you know what? Uh, yes. Okay. Buckling. Yeah, I'm buckling. <laughs> No, so my rant more, it's more like a, a disappointment rather than the rant, right, is I think in the data world and research, and I think anyone that kind of touches any kind of numerics is that I think we assume that everybody understands it. What I mean by that is when you're reading a newspaper and it says there's a 40% chance it's going to rain on Saturday. For those who are kind of numerically literate, you understand, okay, of Saturday, there is a 40% chance that it will rain throughout the entire day. But for those who may not be, it might be, is there a fo- is it 40% of the day on Saturday? Is it 40% kind of the time or the 40% of the region it's going to be raining into? And I think sometimes because we are kind of involved in the, in the collection of the data and we are quite numerically literate, we assume that everybody sees those numbers from the same lens. And so then it can become quite scary when we are talking about politics or economics or poverty or and things that kind of truly matter and we assume and and people willy-nilly throw out statistics out there and it's like whoa do you understand that people may may read that in a completely different way Mm. Um, and I think that's my rant yeah and I mean I think I think we can all relate to that because if you've been involved in some research or you've been involved putting some content together and you're writing it of course you're going to understand what you're talking about when you're referencing something But I think that's a very valid point because, yeah, people take things in their own way or they might might read things a bit differently and stuff. So I suppose it's just understanding that. And I suppose the way around it is sort of 
getting people to read it and making sure that they are getting the right information or what you're wanting to come across yeah absolutely absolutely and I think as as an analyst I think that's where my job kind of allows people to have that confidence in what they're then doing so yes I've produced this report this report could touch everybody from the CEO to the uh, head of SEO to the head of PR but then it is my then duty of care to sit down and go right this is what it means so that we don't come up with like four or five different strategies based on one piece of research but we actually are kind of all singing from the same hymn sheet and you go ah I get why you did that Thierry it makes sense cool so we'll action it from this perspective um yes but yeah Awesome. Okay. So looking at the time, I think after a few more questions, we should definitely go into this week's feature. Um, if you are ready for that. Uh, the question is, are you ready? That's the I'm question. always ready. <laughs> so, so a few more questions then. And I suppose, okay, so to start off with then, so to summarize sort of data and this week's episode, what one key takeaway would you hope that most people are taking from today? I'd probably say that the most powerful data you have is your own. So that's from, so I'm speaking from a perspective of whether you've got a client um, who's kind of like, I'd like to get involved and leverage my perspective, start with the data and information they already have within their customer base. It's already there. It's laid yeah. out. Just think creatively with it and make data sexy. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know, like numerics. Yes, I know it's black and white, but you can make some absolute real source with the information you already have and just be super creative with it. Get as many heads involved um, in a brainstorm and just be like, this is what we have. How can we leverage it from a PR perspective, SEO perspective, UX, content, whatever that may be. Yeah, make it super sexy. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So everyone, make data sexy. That's what we're <laughs> saying. <laughs> so... Moving on then, who has inspired you in your career? I think one name comes to fruition. So there's a lady called Sarah Mace. And I think at the moment she is the head of strategic comms design and development. What a title. At Joseph that Brown is Group, a mouthful. Yeah, I know. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that email signature. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she is over at Joseph Roundtree Foundation and um, I've worked with Sarah previously and she's the kind of person who inspired me to get into um, the agency world and even just enter the kind of marketing umbrella as it were. Um, and they're doing some awesome work and awesome research at the moment, kind of working on eradicating poverty in the UK. So definitely take a look at those guys. And she, yeah, she's an absolute inspiration is till this day she's to be honest i class her as my mentor i still kind of tap Aww. into her wealth of knowledge at the moment so yeah truly respect her awesome okay three people to follow on either linkedin or twitter <sighs> me um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna go dan barker yeah i think the way that man's mind works incredible <laughs> information is beautiful okay love it yeah. Especially from a data and a data visualization perspective. Amazing. Yeah. Love a bit of visualization. Yeah. I love it. And <laughs> then one more person rise at seven. Come on. It's got to be us. <laughs> I think we're, we're absolutely smashing some incredible um, hints and tips. And we're so open to giving um, uh, tips out and helping everybody. So information there. Yeah. Yeah. Just give us, give us a little tweet and um, <laughs> we're always open to help. 
Yes, well, I mean, I follow you guys and yeah, it just amazes me like how much information you guys give out and and Carrie as well. She's very open, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And she's sharing her journey and her experience and things that she's doing and it's really refreshing that someone's that open. So it's really cool. Yeah, and it's really cool what you guys do. Yeah, 100%. And I think she, um, her and Ken, right, kind of carry that mantra of making sure that you're super open and you are willing to help everybody else. Because at the same, we're all aiming for the kind of the same thing. And we all work in the same industry. We know exactly what tools and techniques we're all using. So if anything, for the better of the industry, share more, share alike, and we'll become better together. Beautiful. I mean, that is the slogan from today's episode, what you just said there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so favorite data slash seo tool only one oh gonna be uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna go google trends oh yes yeah. no one has said that yet and i forget legend yeah sorry it's just so so simple so yeah. simple super quick and it's it's only limited by your own kind of creativity like the amount of stuff i whip up on twitter of like all kinds of trending topics and things that people are searching it's honestly underrated i love it and even the like related searches and things like that amazing awesome 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 yes i yeah you just reminded me actually i need to use that tool more (laughs) um and right so one last question and then it's feature time do you have a question for me yeah, so I was reading a thread on Twitter and a classic sentence for everyone who either works in data or SEO. <laughs> um, and uh, I saw uh, one on automation and I thought, you know what, if there was one task that you could automate in your job right now, what would it be and why? That I feel like I need a bit of thought behind that. Um, it could be anything. It doesn't even have to exist now at the moment. Just things like, like oh, do you know what, if this could be automated, oh, it would I mean, save my if I could click my fingers and a cup of coffee appears there, I mean, that would be amazing. But no, seriously, if there was a way that, because sometimes I, I struck like, I understand stuff and I read things and I understand why I'm doing it or why something needs to be done, but I struggle sometimes articulating that. So if there was a way that like a tool could read my sort of thoughts and like do a little overview and synopsis and then send that, like either put it into a content or send it to a client, that would help me out a lot. Because <laughs> there's so many there's so many times where I'm like, I get it, I get what I mean in my head, but I just can't say it. And I think I hope I think that resonates with a lot of people. How many times do, are you trying to get a point across, but you can't? And it's do you know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent all the time. <laughs> Even from my and and kind of research perspective, I'm like I can see by the look on your face, you don't understand what I'm saying, but I <laughs> yeah. promise it makes sense. <laughs> what What would you invent then? What would you want? Oh God, automating. Do you know what? Uh, I thought about this and uh, I think I might actually make it. So <laughs> right. it's a way of, if I said the, this or this 50% of this is occurring, I want to know how I, how many times I can say, 50% of something without repeating it, right? So whether it's like uh, one in two or whatever that may be, contextually from like a content perspective or from a fraction or how it can fit in a sentence or maybe marry that up with UK's population and it's like, oh, actually it's like 30-something million people do this and things like that. You see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. a way of taking one numeric and giving me 10 ways of expressing that. That okay. would be the honestly... Awesome. Mate, if you make that, that do let us know because we will share that. 
yeah. and I and I will use that. But and and I suppose from like a general automation, there's there's so many like admin or man, manual tasks that are important. And I know, like for example, reporting. I know that like some bits of that can be automated through like Google Data Studio. Is that what that's yeah, called and yeah. stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I love it. Oh, but, but there's legend as well. <laughs> but there's still manualness that needs to happen sometimes depending on what you're working for on a client and things yeah. and yeah i don't know there, there is a lot of manual seo tasks yeah. and stuff and I, you, yeah we're quite cool actually is if you've just hit the nail on the head there actually is if if you could have like a way of something recording how you put something together maybe like two or three times yes and then from there it goes oh actually if I was Thierry, I would put this together like this and it kind of understands what you would therefore do going forward and then it does it. Yes. I mean, there's lots of things that need to be like invented right now. So get get inventing people. I'm, write this down. I, I need, why am I even telling you all these ideas? Jeez, if, if you go out and make these things, I'm going to be absolutely raging. Well, bring the rage. <laughs> bring it on. You know, you snooze, you lose or however oh, that's. think it's time that we move on to the feature game time and i i did message you this morning with a bit of fighting talk honestly so, i've never walked up to so much smack talk in my life i was ready for it so to give our audience some context so last minute i would i messaged you and i was like oh, what would be really cool is you're based well bradford but um your company is based at in Sheffield, like my media, are based in Loughborough. So let's test each other's knowledge. And can I just say thank you because I know it was very last minute, but you stepped up to the plate and was like, "Yeah, I'll uh, I'll test your knowledge." So so yeah, so I did send a bit of um, what are we calling it smack talk. Smack talk. This is what the kids are calling it these days. Smack apparently. talk. Okay. I mean, give me right. Should we give a bit of each other some smack talk? Go on. Give me some. Oh wow. Smack talk on the spot. Uh, well, you know what? I bet your talent is as weak as your tea. Oh, <laughs> that hurt me deep. Boom. Honestly, that was almost like really polite, but also kind of a bit of a dig, especially as a northerner. That yes. is a right turn, just saying. I mean, and English people are just far too polite anyway. And the only thing I've got <laughs> to say to you is you're going down. Uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Smack talk done. See that? <laughs> Cool. So you've got five questions about Sheffield and I've got five questions about Loughborough. So because you are the guest, I am going to leave up to you. Would you like to be quizzed first or do you want to quiz me first? I'll quiz you first, actually. Okie dokie then. Sweet. So question number one. In Europe, what has Sheffield got the most of per person right abandoned mills or trees was the first one pebbles pebbles imagine that (laughs) potholes oh sorry trees pebbles yeah i'm just carrying around a lot of pebbles it sounded like you said peb i do apologize right uh let's go i'm thinking potholes incorrect it's trees no okay how wild is that i know when i found that out it blew my mind it's apparently four trees per person wow I know. that's a lot of trees 
know. <laughs> okay, your next question. Sheffield is built on what? Seven hills and seven rivers or seven roads and seven families? Hills, hills, because it's very hilly. I know that. Darn it. Yes, that is correct. Because one of my good friends lives in Sheffield and there's so many times where I drive up a hill and I think I got um, at the top of the hill and yet there's still a bigger one. I'm like, how hilly is Sheffield? Honestly, it baffles. I don't even (laughs) understand how the houses are standing. doesn't make any sense. Wow. (laughs) Magic. Yeah, (laughs) literally. So I've got one Um, so far. Yes, that was was a good one. That was really good. Um, third one, Sheffield is known as a city of what? The city of cotton, the city of rivers, or the city of steel? Steel, steel. I know that one. Smashed it. Oh, well done. I'm so excited. I never get like quizzes right. <laughs> You're doing really well, to be fair. I didn't even know half of these until I started researching about them. <laughs> <laughs> right, so question number four. Sheffield is home to the world's oldest what? Oldest textile mill? oldest clock or oldest football team oh i mean it could be any of them really couldn't it i mean when you say oldest football team i can't imagine i i mean like the club are you meaning the club rather than like actual people oh, well obviously like, semantics you're, you're trying to i see what you're trying to do you're trying to make me fumble here okay i can't delve into it because if i'm honest with you if i delve into it and someone finds out i'm wrong i'm gonna get absolutely chase down the street for it so, okay i wouldn't no, want that so textile mill clock or football team let's go with the clock wrong you should have gone with the football team oh my gosh i feel like you threw me off the scent ste- then yeah because i fumbled i thought oh she's got me she's got yeah okay so cool. last one done really well so you've done two so far now last one which retail brand did sheffield give birth to top shop River Island or Bon Marche? Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I'm all right. I mean, I'm trying to think of some, like, logic behind this. Um, oh, what? Um, ah, this is a tricky one. I want to get this right. Um, let's go, just because I like saying it, Bon Marche. I love that word, but uh, you are wrong. It is oh. top shop. Can I get half a point, point for saying Bon Marché in a slightly you know I'll, French... I'll, I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that. I think I helped you practice when you were saying Thierry Alain. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll give you that. I mean, I think I like saying Bon Marché because it sounds like another favourite word of mine, which is mâché, like a paper, paper mâché. Good word. I've not made one of those in years. Yeah. I know, it just makes me think of childhood. Okay. So I only got two. Is that right? So you got two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, that's not hard to beat, really. So right, let's do it. Come at me. First question for you is, what is the local newspaper at Loughborough? Is it the Mail, Loughborough Post or Loughborough Echo? Oh, my God. Uh, Loughborough Echo. Oh, yes. It pays oh. me to say you got that one right. Easy. Easy, mate. Easy. Okay. Loughborough Market happens twice a week. Which two days? Oh. Twice a week. Uh, 
Sunday and Thursday. Oh, no. The question, the answer I was needing from you was Thursdays and Saturdays. Oh, well, you know what? I'll get that in the diary. <laughs> I mean, you can find some gems at Loughborough Market, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is a bit of a off-piste one. So, which club... When I first turned 18, did I spend most of my Friday nights at? Okay. okay. So get yep, into yep. the head of Sarah. Uh, I mean, yep. you just got to guess this one. Was it Echoes? Was it Wild? Because I'm so wild. Or vice versa? Um, wow. Echo. Uh, echo. <laughs> oh my God. This is sort of right. Vice versa. No. It was echoes, and I heard you sort of mumbling that one. I was thinking echoes because I was like, oh my god, like Echo Falls, the wine, which I did drink when I was 18, actually, to be fair. That's very posh of you. (laughs) Do you know what? I was ahead of my time. Ahead of your time. All I'm going to say so, echoes, when I was 18, so we're talking a good like 10 ish years ago, that was the place to be, but there was this weird black stickiness that just oh. co- you got covered in so you'd know exactly. that you've been on a night out in echoes if the next day you were just covered. Do you have specific shoes for echoes well they just get trampled don't they really so so yes so this is a thing so there's um there's a place called corp in sheffield that everybody goes to corporation i think it's it's shortened um and a couple of the um, the girls over at Rise, specifically a girl called Katie Powell, she has a specific corp shoes that she takes. And they were, I think, white. They are now like tarred black uh, <laughs> that she wears to corp. So do you know Ooh. what? Take, you should have took that as advice. There we go. There we go. Okay, last two questions for you. So local roller derby team in Loughborough of course I had to throw this one in because I play roller derby um I don't actually play for this team because yes but anyway so the local roller derby team in Loughborough are they called socks pistols rock and roller queens or vendetta vixens oh wow now I'll give you love names I'll give you a clue there is a, I mean, it's a very loose clue, but there's a statue in Loughborough that sort of relates to the name. Okay, can I hear those names again? Yeah. So we've got socks, pistols, rock and roller queens, or vendetta vixens. Rock and roller queens. Is that your answer? Let's go for that, yeah. Oh, uh uh-uh, no what the answer was socks pistols because and my clue here is in Loughborough town center there is the sock man oh my do you know what's so funny i was thinking oh of course it's going to be like at least like a statue of a rock because who on earth would have a statue of a sock but here we have it Loughborough, Loughborough mate. Me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay so oh last question um i mean you could get I mean, you have lost because, well, I mean, you gave me half a point. But anyway, I'm, I'm like blabbing now. Population of Loughborough, please. Is it around 45,000, 55,000 or 65,000? Oh, my God. Um, sorry, go through those numbers again. 45,000, 55,000 or 65,000. Oh, bang. Right, let's go 55. Yeah. 55, 
Oh, smashed it. Smashed it out the park. Love it. I mean, I think we can conclude that your knowledge on Loughborough is a bit rubbish and my knowledge on Sheffield is a bit rubbish. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what's really annoying? I used to co- um, I used to be in um, uh, like a dance teams and the biggest competition of the year was actually at Loughborough University. And we used to come down every year and awesome. um, um, compete all weekend. And here I am losing a quiz about Loughborough. Oh, I mean, your uh, dance, your dancing friends will not be impressed by you, will they, really? I'll never live it down. (laughs) Awesome. Well, sadly, that brings us to the end of yet another SEO SES podcast. So have you had fun? Yeah, I really have. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on. How can people like get in touch with you or have you got anything coming up like where where are you what are you doing yeah so um just predominantly grab me on twitter thierry allen um super simple um i'll be announcing anything that i'm going to be talking about later this year or things going on or campaigns and if you ever have any questions about data or how you should use certain bits of data or inspiration please 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 just tweet me um i'm super open to sharing and talking awesome wow i need to i need to do uh, our admin now don't i so <laughs> you can find us on twitter seo underscore sas i am personally on twitter sarah mcduck hannah is seo sas hannah we're both on linkedin we have an email address so if you want to drop us an email then please do hello at seo sas podcast.com if you do like and you listen to our podcast please do give us a review on whatever podcast playing platform that you use because obviously the more sort of likes and reviews we get the bigger our ego no 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 not bigger (laughs) our ego it helps our podcast get under other people's noses and it just shares us so if you think we're worth it we would very much appreciate that right should we say goodbye yes yes right well goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from me until next time 